2: from KQED From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. No matter what your thermometer says, it is summer reading season. But summer reading is not all mass-market paperbacks and breezy airport books. Some people like a thick fantasy novel. Others save a gnarly literary production for when they have some time to think. We'll talk with local booksellers and bookworms about what's flying off the shelves, the books that got lost in the pandemic shuffle, and the titles they just can't wait to read. And we'll look to you, too, for your recommendations for the beach, couch, or campsite. That's all next on Forum after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. It's summertime in the Bay Area, which means it's time to cozy up by the fire and read some books about tropical islands, Sacramento, and other warm places. We have a delightful panel of Bay Area booksellers and bookworms to discuss summer reading trends and the best books on the publishing docket. They'll take your questions on what to stick in your bag for that camper van trip, whether you're looking to dive into a weighty historical biography or plow through a pile of pulpy fun. And we want to hear your picks, too. What are you telling your friends to read this summer? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your recommendations and questions to forum at kqed.org. Joining me now is Kristen Evans. She's the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco and also a buyer for Kepler's in Menlo Park. Welcome, Kristen.
3: Hello. Thank you for having me.
2: We also have Oscar Villalon, the managing editor of Zizova, a San Francisco-based literary journal. Welcome, Oscar. Oh, thank you. And finally, we have Bob Fisher, sales manager at Walden Pond Books in Oakland. Welcome to the show.
4: Thank you. And thanks for having me on.
2: Thank you. Um, Kristen, let's start with you. What's a book that everyone is buying and a book that you wish everyone would buy?
3: (laughs) So um, right now, our bestsellers, uh, people are picking up uh, in volumes, uh, include The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Um, It came out in the fall, but it's not uh, out in paperback yet, but it's still our top selling title. Um, It's about a 30-something woman uh, who is full of regrets and unfortunately- Who isn't really, though, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yes, I know. Unfortunately, she does take her life, but she, instead of going to heaven or hell, she ends up in a library full of books filled with the possibilities of what-ifs. Like, what if she had married her fiancé rather than leaving him two days before they were supposed to be married? What if she had been- a better cat parent and hadn't let her cat die what if she had had a different career path and became a glaciologist so it's it so this is a, a book I about torture
2: is what you're saying
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit philosophical uh, philosophical and existential but it's a really interesting concept book and people really it's 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 the kind of book that really sticks with you hmm. so that's definitely one of our top sellers um, I really love, and it's also a bestseller, um, but but people should absolutely buy more of it uh, and read it, is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue by V.E. Mm-hmm. Schwab. I personally like um, magical fantasy and, and sci-fi, especially right now with how heavy everything has been. <laughs> um, it's a nice escape, especially for those of us that grew up on Harry Potter, um, this is a uh, Adeline who was uh, born in 18th century France, but she's still alive in contemporary New York. And as, as a woman of full of wonderlust, uh, she made a desperate bargain with the night gods or the devil uh, to get out of a marriage arrangement. And her curse became that she uh, for, she's forgotten by people that she meets the next day. And until contemporary moment fast forward she meets a man who finally remembers her and so this is a you know moment for her to to figure out like what's going on and um it i won't ruin the the what the the the, the secret but
2: i mean in terms little... of uh deals with the devil i feel like that worked out pretty well for her
3: exactly <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a it's a wonderful beautifully written uh, i love the schwab's writing um and the you know, it's, 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 it's definitely, you know, for people that were fans of Night Circus or Harry Potter, it, it has that magical element, which is really terrific.
2: Um, Bob Fisher, Walden Pond Books, um, are, are the same kind of books uh, selling now than we're selling sort of earlier in the pandemic or, or are things, you know, kind of evened out in a different way, become more normalized?
4: Um, Yes and no. (laughs) The books that were selling during the pandemic, um, strangely enough, people wanted to read fiction about epidemics and pandemics and plagues. I have never sold so many copies of Albert Camus' The Plague (laughs) ever before.
2: And you never will again, let's hope.
4: Uh, Yes, those have died down. They're still out there, though. People are still reading them, but there's not a frenzy for them. Mm -hmm. And I've I've really never seen anything like it. There were about 50 titles that all dealt with plagues and epidemics, pandemics and post-pandemics, every genre from historical fiction to science fiction imaginary plagues, future plagues, and they all sold like hotcakes. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, you know, it speaks to the ways that different kinds of books can help us get our bearings on a novel situation, right? Even if yeah. it's not, you know, reading WHO reports.
4: Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that these books have just run, they ran the gamut of reactions to plagues. Um, some, some, People got completely demoralized. Some people were determined to s- survive no matter what. So the reactions were all there and the perspectives were all there.
2: Yeah. Um, Oscar, let's, uh, let's talk about a couple of uh, local authors, maybe people that you have worked with that have new books out that are worth reading.
5: Sure. Um, uh, there's a, well, there's a few. Uh, one of the ones that, that comes to mind, and I think her book came out just in april so it's it's relatively new um is uh, gabriela garcia's uh, novel of women in salt that's her it's sort of an epic story of uh, i think about th- uh, multiple generations of women uh all from cuba and their story is it uh, resonates from 19th century cuba to uh, present-day miami um it's uh, it's been actually i think it has found something of a readership but i don't know if, uh, if enough people know about the book. Um, you know, she's a fantastic writer. We were fortunate enough in uh, Zizova to uh, publish a short story by her called Mr. Sorry um, about, a, um, uh, about a young woman and her boyfriend and the boyfriend who's suffering from a, a opiate addiction. And uh, in this novel, I mean, you know, uh, you know people pick it up and you know, read the beginning. Um, there's a fantastic depiction that I read uh, this was uh, a while ago, actually, uh, when she was a, came up to the Community of Writers. It was a workshop up in Sierras, held every year, and uh, brought the book and manuscript. And I was, I read some of it. and Was absolutely blown away by this depiction of uh, working in the cigar rolling mm. uh, factories in Cuba, while you know the the lectores are reading to uh, the workers. You know, usually it was from well, of course, you know, the, the Count of Monte Cristo which is where we get the Monte Cristo you know, cigars, you know, named after that. Um, so it's, 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 it's incredibly engrossing. Uh, and she's here it, in
2: Oakland now, right? Yes, yeah. yes,
5: cool. yes. And I believe she's down, um, a Steinbeck fellow, I think, at San Jose State as well. Uh, the other one, it's it's not a, a local author, but it is a local press, um, two lines press. And I should point out, uh, to the listeners, if they're not aware, we have such wonderful publishers, local publishers in the Bay Area, um, you know, Hayday books, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, there's two that do a lot of work in translation, uh, Two Lines Press, which is located here in San Francisco, and Transit Books over in Oakland. And if you want to, please go check out their websites. They do in, incredible work. I mean, just absolutely uh, exciting stuff. And recently, Two Lines uh, published a book by a young South American writer, uh, Bruno, I think you would pronounce his last name Lloret, L L O R E T, wrote this novel called Nancy, and it it's absolutely haunting. Um, I think it's under 200 pages, and it's essentially, and I'm, I'm boiling it down, but even doing so, not really doing it justice, uh, a young woman dying and recounting, going back, think about her days leading up to her death, growing up impoverished in Chile. And it is just, it. it, it is elliptical. Uh, it is poetic, um, it is very gritty at times. It ends in such a way that you immediately have to start the book over <laughs> so that so that you can see how everything ties in together yeah. and It has this interesting conceit where there's x's all throughout the book, randomly just x 's, xs, x's, usually a section breaks sometimes in between sentences and sometimes in between words. And as you read you try you know, you try to puzzle why are these x's here, yeah. then suddenly dawns on you. These, this is Nancy checking off the days, like the calendar, marking them all off, and it creates this sort of this this deep the sadness and this sort of uh, soberness about the whole thing of yeah indeed we are burning through our days and we don't even know it yeah let's bring in
2: Maya for San Francisco with a great escape novel recommendation.
1: Yeah. Hi, Alexis. Um, first, I just wanted to say thanks so much for having Kristen on. Kristen is the owner of one of my favorite independent bookstores, Booksmith, and she's one of the creators of the wonderful culture of independent bookstores in the city. And she's also an amazing advocate for our unsheltered neighbors in San Francisco. Um, just needed to put that in there before. Shout out interview. Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> um. So my two recommended picks is two books by Madeline Miller: Song of Achilles and Circe. They're just great escape novels through these challenging times, and her storytelling just engrossed me. Um, so yeah. And
2: what did you what did you really love about it though?
1: Um, I loved her ability to just you know absorb me in these Greek myths, and it really made me want to learn more about Greek mythology, and I just loved how she used um, her creativity to really paint a different side of all of these Greek myths that we've been taught.
2: We're talking summer book. Thank you, Maya, for that. We're talking summer book recommendations and hearing your picks with Kristen Evans, the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco and a buyer for Kepler's in Menlo Park. And as you just heard, a wonderful member of the literary community here in San Francisco, Oscar Villalon, the managing editor of Ziziva, a San Francisco-based literary journal, of course, and Bob Fisher, sales manager at Walden Pond Books. And we also want to talk with you. What book are you telling all of your friends to bring to the beach this summer What kind of book are you craving that you'd like our experts to recommend? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. And I will put in, before we go to the break, a shout-out for a book I think everybody should be reading, which is The Fifth Sun, A New History of the Aztecs About the Mexica People. Uh, Most of us learned uh, the name as the Aztecs. It's by Camilla Townsend, and it will blow your mind about indigenous Mexico. More before him after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking summer book recommendations with Kristen Evans, the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco and a buyer for Kepler's in Menlo Park, Park. Oscar Villalon, the managing editor of Zizava, and Bob Fisher of Walden Pond Books. We've got a a question for you from uh, a listener. Melanie asks, I am a mom of two teens. Can you recommend summer readings for high schoolers? Maybe. Bob, you want to take this one?
4: Um. Yeah. Uh I'm not the children's book manager. We have somebody who can answer that question in a heartbeat, but there are a few that stand out. Um for teenagers, let's see. Um graphic novels.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh there's a brand new one called The Pathfinder Society, which I actually read from cover to cover. It took me about thirty minutes but <laughs> <laughs> it's well worth it it's it's one of those it's one of those old fashioned adventure graphic novels heartily recommended The curse of the crystal cavern is the title
2: got it crystal so graphic
4: oh. novels for uh, for kids teenagers that would be my recommendation um There's also a brand new one, which I'm really interested in, Six Crimson Cranes by Elizabeth Lim, Mm. has all the elements of a terrific fairy tale, an exiled princess, their dragons, of course, and enchanted cranes. I don't want to go on too much without uh, spoiling it, but (laughs) again... It's one of the few young adult novels that I've picked up that actually had me, and I'm 70 years old, completely engrossed.
2: Anyone else want in with a recommendation for a teen book? Otherwise, I have one.
5: Oh, I was, well, I was just going to say, you know, and I don't know if this would apply uh, uh, you know, uh, to, her, to her teens, but, you know, uh, definitely when I was a teenager, I used to basically want to read anything that had nothing to do with me. so uh the more it was about the quote-unquote adult world the more it had to do with something that i was trying to figure out but wasn't you know in a place to inhabit that was attractive to me also i mean you know lord of the flies still was something that I, i found incredibly appealing to read when i was a teenager you know, the,
2: the book that I read as a teenager, which is great because it then becomes a you, sort of you can measure your progress of how much you understand about the world. The Crying of Lot 49 by Thomas Oh, Prince. yes. My dad mm-hmm. gave that to me as a teen. And, it, you know, it's, it's short. It's fun. Um, and it's also, you know, you will get a chunk of it at that age. Um, but it's still good. It's still good to read. Um, and my other more serious recommendation um, is First Second Press. It's a uh, an amazing graphic novel um, publisher and kiki hughes has a new book out called displacement um, which is um it, its theme is the internment of japanese americans and it begins in san francisco um and there's more to it than that um kristen do you want to any any more uh, teen recommendations
3: it's a good question i mean <laughs> i think that a lot of um, young women are picking up um, some of the same books that um, adults are and The Invisible Life of Addie Laurie is definitely a teen appropriate title. Um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, uh for me, like I always loved like mystery page, Page Turner's. Um so like a, a young teen might like something like um uh, uh let me see. Um well, the night circus is something that I mentioned. It's it's a a book set in old Victorian England, and it um, centers on the mystery of uh, a circus that pops up in a, a field uh, magically at night, and uh, all sorts of one sort of like Burning Man style uh, <laughs> performance out there. And so, it's it's a real fun uh, you know character read. Uh, lots of interesting characters. Cool, cool.
2: Let's um, bring in Hari from Fremont with a recommendation from
7: your eight-year-old. Hello. Hi.
2: Welcome to the show. Uh,
7: hi. Hi. Uh, this is a recommendation from my eight-year-old. Um, he has been hooked on a series called Amulet by Kazu Kabushi. It's a graphic novel series. Uh, book nine is supposed to come out next week. He uh, cannot wait for the book to come out. It's a fantasy series in which two young kids uh, they lose their uh, they lose their mom in a fantasy world with elves and robots, and they go on a big adventure rescue mission. And it's a fascinating series, so strongly recommend for kids. Amulet,
2: the Amulet series. Okay, wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much, Ari. I um, I want to ask our panel here for what's a book that you think got lost in the sort of the the strange and dark times of the early pandemic, like. I can't imagine having a book getting published in spring of 2020. And maybe we can start with you, Oscar.
5: Oh, boy. I mean, the, you know, we did, um, this is actually interesting, and, and Kristen could speak to this. Uh, during the pandemic, uh, we, I mean, Viziva, we did a sort of a reading, or a reading series, I guess, for lack of a better word, with a, all these authors in the spring of 2020 who all had books coming out. Um, at the time of, of, of when we went into lockdown. And there was probably about, I'd say about 15 authors altogether that 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 were part of that group and basically mm-hmm. they were in conversation talking about them. Um, any and all of those were probably worth, uh, worth checking out. Um, I'm drawing a blank here, Alexis, only because there are literally so many. We yeah. lost an entire year. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, I- I was going to say
3: that that the publishers are actually kind of treating that like a lost period and this um, essentially doing the book launch plan and the marketing plan on repeat, you know? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the books, they either delayed publication or they basically now are taking the paperback release as the launch event opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really interesting because the promotion of books and how we, connect with new titles and reads has changed substantially um you know we um very much uh, as a event-centric uh booksmith and kepler's event-centric bookstores would have authors come on book tour and people would come and engage with authors in real life in person right and now it's so much more through you know virtual events as well as you know us relying on Um, print and, and social media to help connect people with different and new titles. Um, And so, you know, I think a lot of that's going to really change the shape of how we um, discover new books in the future. I mean, I do think we will get back to a, a point when we will have our intimate, you know, packed bookstore full of, you know, readers that are just, you know, excited about having that personal connection Mm -hmm. and get their book signed we will have that again um but um you know i think the industry has also recognized that there's other ways um through this experimentation period that they've been forced to do um for people to figure out how to market new books
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um Marcus Books uh, wasn't able to join us today uh, in in Oakland, but they did send in some recommendations uh, for adult nonfiction. Um, they recommended How the Word is Past, A Reckoning with the History of Slavery Across America by Clint Smith. They say the author leads the reader on an unforgettable tour of monuments and landmarks, both those that are honest about the past and those that are not, offering the story of how slavery has been central in shaping our nation's collective history and memory, uh, and if you look in the forum archives, just maybe last week or the week before, Mina actually talked with, uh, with Clint, who's a, a great guy and a, and a brilliant writer. Uh, Mark's Books also recommends for teen fiction, Legend Born by Tracy Dion, a residential program for bright high schoolers at UNC Chapel Hill. Seems like the perfect escape for 16-year-old Bree after her mother's death until on her very first night on campus. She witnesses a flying demon feeding on human energies. Um, not what you want to see on your first night away from home. Um, let's bring in Tom from Sacramento. Welcome, Tom.
8: Yeah, hi, Alex. And a special shout out to Oscar, my former colleague. Uh, this is Tom Graham. Oscar. Oh, hey, Tom. <laughs> um, how you doing? I, it, it's good to hear you on the radio, Oscar. Um, my my recommendation is one of my favorite authors, of uh, San Francisco authors, is uh, uh, two books by Rebecca Solnit. Uh, for those of us who love walking, um, she has a book called Wanderlust, A History of Walking, which is a wonderful read. It's about the history of walking, the literature of walking, the physiology of walking, the psychology of walking. And she she weaves this narrative through uh, all of these different, uh, you know, uh, areas of uh, why we walk and how we walk and, and what have you, that is just absolutely intriguing and a great read. Oh, yeah. And the other one uh, that I would highly recommend is The Art of Getting Lost. And for any of us who have done a lot of walking, uh, we all know that we get lost or we lose our path along the way, um, but that's something to be desired. That's something to look forward to.
2: Oh, thank you so much for that, Tommy Rekolsolnet. I'm always so proud that she's like part of our hilarity. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so good. Um, and I also, you know, an interesting pairing with um, with those books might also be the old ways: a journey on foot by Robert McFarlane, which is also um, in in the same theme. That'd be fun to like read across um let's bring in um seema from palo alto hi seema i hear you're a librarian my my favorite profession
7: (laughs) yes my favorite profession too um i i got excited when someone called asking for teen recommendations because i'm a high school librarian um and i just finished a novel called liberty by caitlin greenidge and uh it's i have read a couple i mean i've been reading a lot this summer getting ready for next year and um it's an adult novel it's not published for young adults but it's it's about a young woman and her coming of age so it's really appropriate for especially older teenagers um what i like about it is that it's historical fiction about a time and about characters that we don't often get um get like this this uh intimate view of. So, it's this young Black woman, an African-American woman living in the North, and she's, you know, born free, but it's during the time of slavery. So, it just creates, a, like, another picture of of our history and of race in America. Um, but it's, it's a lot about her conflicts with her mother and about growing up and figuring out who she is and making mistakes um, and kind of coming to terms with those mistakes. So, I, I really recommend it I think it's a it's a really um, engaging story that that makes that makes made me want to keep reading and I think um, teenagers would appreciate her identity struggles as well. Um, I was also going to recommend Legendborn by by um, Tracy Dion it's it's really the reading the writing is really fresh and really engaging. And then the last book I was going to recommend another adult novel but that I think um, young adults would really enjoy is called anxious people by frederick bachman um Hmm. it's it gets a little like schmaltzy at the end but it's it's a really nice story of how when we crack beneath the surface of of you know our selves and and connect that uh beautiful things can happen so
2: yeah seema what's a book that you love that you don't want to talk about on the radio (laughs) like (laughs) (laughs)
7: oh my gosh um you know, I'm still kind of, I'm I'm like shaken by this whole um, JK Rowling. I know it's old news now, but her being so uh, unappealing as a person because Harry Potter was such a, a shaping story for me. So now I'm like, I'm really torn about how I feel about Harry Potter. Oh
0: it's, so that, yeah. that's
7: my complicated, my complicated, my complicated uh, book. <laughs>
2: thanks so. so, thanks so much, Seema. Um, yeah. Thank you. I uh, Gina writes um, and it goes to to one of the things Sima mentioned. I'm reading the complete autobiographies of Frederick Douglass, um, outstanding during this time while facing the reality of systemic racism and those who attempt to continue to rationalize it. And you know, last year after the murder of George Floyd, it seems like there was. I mean, I know there was a boom. Um, in books about systemic racism, anti-racism, and and has that continued, Kristen, or did it just kind of uh, fade away?
3: So that was the other thing I was going to mention. Outside of our fiction, the nonfiction is almost all social justice, criminal justice, how to be you know an anti-racist. Um, we've got a really terrific um, a paperback that's come, just come out called Hood Feminism. Um, these books are still very much of uh, of interest to folks. I think that you know we are really struggling with um, you know how the inequalities in our society continue to be perpetuated, and uh, folks are you know trying to figure out what what they can do, especially if they're not a person of color to be an ally. And so, you know, I'm uh, books that, you know, like the new Jim Crow, the Bryan Stevenson, all those books are like really like people are going to them to really try to understand and get smarter about these issues and and, and, and particularly experiences that they don't have firsthand experience with. Mm
2: -hmm. Bob, did you see the same thing at Walden Pond Books?
4: Absolutely. And in fact, uh, the recent announcement of the Pulitzer Prize winners just echoes that. I mean, take a look at the winners for fiction, The Night Watchman, which is about uh, Louise Erdrich's grandfather who waged a battle against Native American dispossession. Uh, The winner um, for nonfiction, Wilmington's Lie about the coup of 1898 in which North Carolina rolled back to absolutely horrific Jim Crow practices through murder and intimidation. The winner um, for the Pulitzer Prize for Biography, The Dead Are Arising, The Life of Malcolm X., and that is a stunner, by the way. Oh, tell, tell me
2: more about that, because the Autobiography of Malcolm X was extremely influential for me as a kid.
4: Likewise. I remember reading that when I was 16 years old <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and just me too. being blown <laughs> away by it. But this new one is really something. Um, Les Payne, it's by Les Payne, who I believe passed away before he saw it published and his daughter completed it. I think he'd been working on it for thirty years. Extraordinary, extraordinary revelations are in that book. Their facts reveal that I had no knowledge of, and that probably most readers didn't either. He's rewritten and expanded pretty much the known narrative about Malcolm X. Heartily recommended. In fact, even the um, even the winner of uh, the poetry prize. Post-colonial love poems by Natalie Diaz. Yeah. So across the board, there all the book awards for the Pulitzers reflex that.
2: Yeah. Um, before we go to the break, Jeannie tweets: Can you recommend any LGBTQ plus novels or graphic novels? Oscar?
5: Um, yes, I could actually, and it's uh, it's actually it also happens to be uh, one of my favorite books I've read this year. New books. It's. Uh, Kirsten Valdez-Quaid's uh, novel, The Five Wounds. Um, it's, uh, it's published by Norton. It's a, it's a stunning, stunning first novel by uh, Valdez-Quaid. She, she'd been to a story collection called um, Night at the Fiestas. Uh, and uh, in a nutshell, it, it's a story about a family. Um, it is a, a Mexican-American family uh, in northern uh, uh, New Mexico. And it uh, revolves around... Um, essentially a passion play and the uh, aftermath of that play. And within the characters, there's a whole range of people, you know, in terms of that family. And of course, and one of the characters is, um, is, is queer. And it's a fascinating book about the modern American.
2: That's great. We're talking summer book recommendations and hearing your picks with Kristen Evans, the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco, Oscar Villalón, uh, managing editor of Zizova and Robert Fisher, uh, sales manager at Walden Pond Books. And we want to hear your recommendations. Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. What are you telling your friends about? We'll be back with more Forum after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal, and we are talking summer book recommendations with Kristen Evans of Booksmith and Kepler's, Oscar Villalón, managing editor of Zizzava, and Bob Fisher, Walden Pond Books. We need to talk about some of the classic what are seen as uh, beach reading. We have a comment. Uh, Joan asks, uh, I am looking for books like Outlander by Diana Gabaldon, a series I love, but not necessarily including time travel. Anyone have a, have a, you love Outlander, you'll love this kind of recommendation.
4: I have a perfect one for that person who loved um, the book about the trees. And that one is, it's coming out in a couple of weeks, Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. It's a classic man versus nature novel about a logging community in California. And I'm a sucker for California books, and this is, I think, going to be the California book of the year.
2: Oh, wow. What what was the name again?
4: Damnation Spring by Ash Davidson. It's out in a couple of weeks. Um, I was able to get a a reviewer's copy, and wow, this is really something. I haven't read anything this good about uh, the Pacific Northwest since Ken Kesey's Sometimes a Great Notion and this one brings in of course climate change and environmental pollution this 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 book works on so many levels it's it's definitely it's definitely a commentary on on an, the environment and climate change it's also a thriller it's also a family saga terrific book wow. damnation spring
2: got it and kristen how about just um, you know, Outlander style books. Just a mm-hmm. you know, your 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 basic page turner. That's awesome.
3: Yeah, I mean, a lot. A lot of people think of beach reads as like books that are just really light and breezy, and like you know, you can just. It's a great thing to just kind of let your mind go, right? And, um, I, you know, we were talking about uh, LGBTQ authors. I I really love Andrew Sean Greer and. He actually has, the, the book that he became kind of famous for, um, uh, you know, it act, act, does actually have uh, the time travel aspect, which is uh, the, com- the Confessions of Max Tivoli. But he wrote all these other amazing books that juxtapose, um, it, it, it's like Outlander, focuses on human relationships and the and the family and the relationships between um, uh folks in their, in their lives. And he's got another book called, um, the many lives, the impossible lives of, uh, uh, Greta Wells. And it has, um, this woman who, you know, lives in three points in time and, and it's all the same cast of characters, her brother, her, um, uh, uh, roommate, and they, um, each have different, you know, careers and, uh, types of lives at different points in time, whether it's in the uh, turn of the century, uh, 1900s, or in the mid-century uh, 1950s, or in the early 1980s, AIDS, and the AIDS era, um, and the thing that I love about, you know, Outlander and, and and the books just kind of, you know, transport you to another time and place that's really, like, not necessarily... Um, it's it, it you know uh, what we're dealing with in our everyday contemporary lives. And Andrew Shanegra does a, a really terrific job. He also does. There's another book that's actually set in the Inner Sunset in San Francisco, called The Story of, of Marriage, that focuses on a uh, closeted gay man that's a returning World War II veteran, who um, uh, marries an African American woman. And so you get uh, like a, a sense of what 1950s San Francisco was. Uh, for a closeted gay man and, and an African American woman and their family, um, so those are I, I totally love to recommend Andrew Sean Greer. Um, just about any one of his books are you know relatively short. Uh, could be you could literally sit down and and do it in a weekend, um, and just you know really accessible and really fun um, uh, you know character stories.
2: Um, Oscar, we have a question from Kelly. Who would like uh, historical nonfiction that reads like a novel? She says she particularly loves the work of Eric Larson and Isabel Allende.
5: Wow, historical nonfiction that reads like a novel—that's you know. Um, you want to give it to one of the booksellers? <laughs> well, I, I have, but it's not quite. So, people who know me know that at one point, if once you get to know me very well, and if I had a few drinks, I keep going on and on about Robert Caro. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and the reason I go on and on about Robert Caro is because until I, started, I read Robert Caro's books, uh, or I should say his two subjects, Robert Moses and Lyndon Johnson, I didn't realize how beautiful writing can be in biography.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
5: and to the point where in some cases, the way he writes some of those chapters, we could call even historical nonfiction because the way he has to lay out the context when he's about to bring something up that happens in the lives of these people. Um, I, you know, you talk about summer reads, I would say any of the uh, of the LBJ bios or even the Power Broker by Robert Caro is the perfect thing to sink your time, your mind, and your time in this summer, and you want to be absolutely riveted because I mean the writing I cannot stress this enough is gorgeous.
2: It is really good, Robert Caro, because so much of the mythology around him surrounds you know read every page like his work in the archives. You can kind of lose sight of the fact that man, that guy, that guy can roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to Peggy in San Jose. Hi, Peggy. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling.
7: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm reading a book called Sand Talk, How Indigenous Thinking Can Save the World by Tyson Yanka Porta. And I really recommend it. It talks about climate change. It talks about the relationship of indigenous people, that it really um, there's a really deep analysis into what culture really means, what language means, a lot of our basic ideas that we form as part of our culture. Um, so I I recommend it's an awesome book.
2: Thank you so much, Peggy. Have you uh, yeah. all, anyone on the panel encountered uh, encountered that book? No, I guess not. All right. No. I um, You know, we did have... May- maybe
3: that's one of the pandemic books that got lost.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know... Um...
3: It, 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 it's so relevant, though, because climate change is another topic that are, is really on people's mind.
2: Yeah. Well, and probably, um, you know, Maureen wrote in that, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer's book, Braiding Sweetgrass, has been on the San Francisco Chronicle's Mm. paperback bestseller list for a long time due to its range of connections to nature and contemporary indigenous practices. So maybe Peggy's book is sort of, you know, the advanced, uh, the the 201 to uh, Braiding Sweetgrass there. Um, I want to talk to you all a little bit about, you know, this is a, a city and a region in which there's so much uh, technology, uh, you know, both in terms of companies as well as people who work for those companies and and uh, the devices themselves. Have you read any of the uh, technology books that are coming out, or are you excited about any of the ones that sort of deal with our um, local industry here?
4: Yeah, I can recommend a science fiction book, of all things.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah. It's
4: actually a trilogy. Uh, It's now out in omnibus form. It's by Kim Stanley Robinson, who's known for other things, but I heartily recommend Three Californias. It's a trilogy of three novels in which um, the history of California is radically reshaped, first by a nuclear holocaust, then by technocrats taking over the state, And finally, a revolution against that.
2: There you go. KSR.
4: California's.
2: Well, and if you want a taste of Kim Stanley Robinson, he also was on the show with Annalie Newitz, another great um, local writer uh, just a few weeks ago. You know, I think um, a couple of, because I used to cover technology, uh, I do keep tabs on uh, on these books. And I think uh, a couple, an interesting duo to read together. um, You know, there's a, a big book out from some New York Times reporters, Cecilia Kang and Sheer Frankel called an ugly truth inside mm-hmm. Facebook's battle for domination. That is supposed to really have a lot of sort of, uh, un- untold anecdotes. I mean, the reporting feat there is just tremendous. Um, and I'll recommend a, also a much smaller book on the same topic by Taina Bucher. Um, she's kind of a, a brilliant European academic. The book is just called Facebook. Um, And, you know, she's one of those people who who realize that, you know, what's important about these technology companies is not just the, you know, their algorithms, but how people think about those algorithms and that those what she calls the algorithmic imaginary shapes, you know, cultural production. It shapes politics. It shapes all kinds of things, like not just the companies, but the way that we we think about them.
5: And Uh, Alexis, I'm sorry, I, I feel so weird saying this, but as it happens. Azizovah, our newest issue, is themed on technology. Oh, there you go. It's called The Technology Issue, and uh, it has a lot of fiction and uh, and poetry on that theme. Um, And and the nonfiction also includes uh, a wonderful essay by John Markoff about um, the misunderstood values of Stuart Brand.
2: Oh, that's Because he's, um, as I understand it, John Markoff's working on an authorized biography, basically, of Stuart Brand, legendary Bay Area cultural and actually kind of technological figure too.
5: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Mm -hmm.
2: And last I heard actually, Stuart Brand is actually working on a book about maintenance. Like he wants to sort of take that up as his, as his next great subject, which is really interesting. Um, Let's go to Sharon in Vallejo. Hello, Sharon. Good
7: morning. Good morning. Good morning. I would like to recommend... The A History of the World in 100 Objects from the Hand Axe to the Credit Card. It's by Neil McGregor of the British Museum. If, If you love art, history, anthropology, and the universality of the human condition, you'll love
9: this book. It's
7: fascinating. Each chapter is kind of standalone, so it's great for people that don't have much time to read um, but I just think <clears throat> I've just found it fascinating so uh, I highly highly recommend it.
2: Oh, Thank you Sharon and I've, I've listened to some of those they were put out as like a, an audio series and our, one of our producers Tina and I both agree that it is absolutely amazing it's a BBC uh, series. Um, let's go to Brandon in Berkeley who wants to tell us about uh, a book that's very special to him.
9: Yes, hello, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Um, the book is written by Regina Mason. The um, Her ancestor wrote the first fugitive slave narrative in American history. His name is William Grimes. The book is The Life of William Grimes, the Runaway Slave. There's also a movie out. You can see it on Amazon Prime called Gina's Journey, and that's how she discovered she had this amazing Book in her family history that no one even knew about wow
2: and how how do you know regina
9: Regina's my wife
2: <laughs> that's good no 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 i i'm i'm completely uh that sounds fascinating it's on amazon prime the documentary it's called gina's journey
9: yes, and also the book is out um you can get that on amazon also um she's also been interviewed on n p r um open Air, I think it's called. Oh, fresh so, air. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, she's been out there, but I still want people to know about her book and her movie.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Brandon. Appreciate your support, uh, and also, um, and that's a, that's a great recommendation.
4: Um, Did every bookseller on the panel cringe when they heard the word Amazon? <laughs> um, you can get any of these books at your local bookstore. That but is true. Even if we don't have them in stock, we can order them and have them at the store within 48 hours.
2: And also, um, the pandemic kind of changed business for, for a lot of you, too, right? In Especially like bookshop.org, right? became something that was a, a big piece of oh, business. Oh, I
4: can't say enough great things about bookshop. It saved Walden Pond Books wow. during the pandemic. Huh. If it, if it saved our customers, too. Our, huh. our customers finally had a way to get our books.
2: Um we're talking summer book recommendations and hearing your picks with Bob Fisher, uh, who you just heard from Walden Pond Books, Kristen Evans, the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco and a buyer for Kepler's in Menlo Park, and Oscar Villalon, the managing editor of Ziziva. Um, if you haven't heard of Bookshop, Bookshop is a way that you can, bookshop.org, right? Uh, yeah. And you can purchase books online through uh, local independent
3: uh, bookstores. Let, yeah, oh, go ahead. May I just interject? This? Sure. <laughs> so I, I I agree that Bookshop was a huge, um, important uh, development for bookstores that didn't already have e-commerce capabilities, but bookstores like Booksmith that have had uh, the ability to sell books through our own website, it's actually a better bargain for us uh, in the same price for the customer if you buy it through our, our website directly rather than bookshop. Uh, Got it. So I just wanted to make sure that people understand the economics of that. Um, sure, sure, You know. Uh, Going direct is
2: always better for the bookstore. It, exactly. right? okay.
3: Thank you. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I want to go through some of the recommendations from uh, – From listeners, Uh, Tobias recommends Corn Hollow, A Journey of Sorrow and Triumph by Laverne Hillis-McLeod. A great story about black lives in the Jim Crow era South. It's a quick YA read taking you through joys and horrors. Um, May writes... The Dog with Golden Eyes by Francis Wilbur, a terrific book for the younger teen who loves wolves and who doesn't love wolves, honestly. Um, And then if you have a teen who loves horses, I love this. This is an animal-themed thank you, May, for this. A Horse Called Holiday by Francis Wilbur. And a Bay Area author for younger teens, Full Cicada Moon by Marilee Hilton. Um, Last uh, two recommendations. One listener writes... Uh, I picked up Joan Lindsay's Picnic at Hanging Rock on a recommendation from Stacy at Spectator Books in Oakland and found it completely enthralling. Um, Jesse tweets uh, as an LGBTQ plus novel recommendation. Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas is a wonderful LGBTQ plus novel for teens featuring a trans Latinx protagonist who accidentally summons the wrong ghost. I hate when I do that. Um, Last lightning round here for our panel. And we're going to start with you, uh, Oscar. Uh, what's, the, what's the book that you're most looking forward to coming out uh, this fall?
5: Ooh, well, I wouldn't go so far as fall, but I could go with, can I go with closer to, say, uh, sure. August? Sure, yes. <laughs> um, uh, there's there's uh, uh, quite a few, actually. In August... But Lizzie you got to go John- quick. you got to go okay, quick. Okay, Lizzie yeah. Johnson from The Chronicle, her book is coming out about paradise. And I think that's been the years in the making about the paradise fire. Um, also there's um, uh, Jaime Cortez he's got this fantastic story collection uh, set in the migrant workers camp near Watsonville in the 70s called Gordo that comes out in August as well and Ashley Nelson Levy her first novel she's uh, called The Media Family comes out in August Uh, she's a co-founder of Transit Books and an exquisite writer and I'm looking forward to all those. That's awesome. Um, Kristen one one sentence one
3: book yeah one sentence one book is Jonathan Franzen's book is going to be big for us Crossroads, you know, Franzen obviously, somewhat of a local author, um, very acclaimed for uh his sprawling large uh novels. And I don't think this one will disappoint. Awesome. Bob Fisher,
2: last recommendation, one
3: sentence.
4: It's gonna be a nonfiction book, The Debt Trap, How Student Loans Became a National Catastrophe.
2: Ah, uh, wonderful. All right, we've been talking summer book recommendations with Kristen Evans, the owner of Booksmith in San Francisco, Oscar Villalon, the managing editor of Ziziva, and Bob Fisher of Walden Pond Books. Thank you to all of you. Forum is produced by Tina Lauberg, Blanca Torres, Grace Wan, and Caroline Smith. Susan Britton is lead producer for the 10 o'clock hour. Our acting senior editor is Judy Campbell. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, and Brendan Willard. Our intern is Kimia Akbari. Our executive editor is Ethan Toven-Lindsay and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We'll have all those book recommendations on the Forum website. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum ahead with Mina Kim.